Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. And welcome to the Modern Mommy Doc podcast. I have Dr. Amy with me today, and I'm stoked that she's with us because she has such a wealth of information. Dr. Amy, tell us all about yourself. So thanks for having me. First of all, I'm super excited to do this. I am a licensed clinical psychologist, and I practice in Portland, Oregon. I have a private practice a couple of days a week, and then the other two days a week, I do training, consultation, and conferences around specifically the areas of trauma and resilience and how to create healthy, thriving children. That's so great. And you do a ton of stuff in the community, but then also, I mean, you speak, you do webinars, you're on the web. Yep, that's right. That's right. I try to be a little bit of everywhere because my hope is that I can have a really large systemic impact on kids and families. And that's part of the reason I was moving out of my private practice a little bit into more consultation and training and to online webinars and trainings and whatnot, because I'm really wanting to have a large impact and train people who are also working with children. Yeah. I met Dr. Amy actually doing an ACEs and resilience training. So ACEs is like adverse childhood events. And our community decided, let's make it really positive. Let's make it about how can we build resilience in families. And I met her as part of a pediatrician panel working on that in the Portland area. And it was just so in awe of her presentation skills and also just her messaging and all of that. So Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. you. Oh, thank you. The yeah. feeling is mutual. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it because I think there's a lot of parents that are really struggling with the topic we're going to talk about today. There's always a lot of pressure to be a perfect parent and to do everything right. But amidst the COVID pandemic, and as people kind of try to deal with the fact that they're at home with their kids, they have lots of opportunities to parent their kids, maybe even sometimes more opportunities than they would during normal circumstances. I think there's a lot of pressure to to feel like if we don't do it exactly right, then there's going to be some major consequences for our kids or for ourselves. And I know that you really encourage parents to embrace a good enough parenting philosophy and lose this concept of perfection. So tell me What does it mean to be good enough? Yeah, thank you. So, you know, the actual term good enough parenting came a few decades ago by Sandra Scar, and she is a developmental psychologist. And basically, she said that, you know, children are going to be able to do okay if they have, you know, a basically minimal environment. And I'm not actually talking about her specific model per se, because actually there's a lot of research that would indicate that, you know, enriching environments and early intervention programs and things like that can have really great significant effects on the lives of children. But really what I'm talking about when I talk about being a good enough parent means 
there's got to be this middle ground between a completely perfect parent and this perfectionistic strive for parenting and negligible on the other end. And so somewhere in the middle is where moms would feel a little bit less anxious, a little bit less frenetic, and their kids would feel a lot less overwhelmed. And I appreciate that you bring up that point about, you know, right now we're in this COVID-19 space. And I think initially, working moms and moms who were already staying at home had this immense pressure on them, like, oh my gosh, I've got to work from home, I've got to do that perfectly, and act like I basically don't have kids like all over my house and dirty dishes and everything. And I've got to homeschool my children. And that has to look like an Instagram-worthy schedule that I have posted for them and lunches and recesses. And what I've seen in my practice and with my parenting groups that I'm running online is this complete nosedive in the last couple of weeks for parents because they are completely exhausted. And I'm really trying to get them to embrace this good enough parenting that you can actually do the very best you can as a homeschooling parent and show up consistently as a mom. And I, I've kind of coined this phrase with parents lately, just being unapologetically working at home. Meaning if you're a working mom and you are sitting there and you've got a toddler climbing onto your lap or a teenager coming in needing reassurance or a middle schooler needing a snack, be unapologetic about that. You don't have to perfectly show up to your business meeting because this is not typical circumstances. So that's what I mean about that good enough parenting is somewhere in the middle where moms aren't feeling crazy and anxious and frenetic and kids can kind of have a little bit more calm and less overwhelm. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because yes, it is extenuating circumstances at this moment, but hopefully actually our work partners seeing our kids climb onto our lap as we have this meeting. And last night I was on a, on a work call for a work meeting and my kids were asking me to push them on the swing like, during the middle of the meeting. Like, mom, come on to the swing. You're like, that hopefully will actually move the needle forward. I'm really hoping that. Yeah. Even when it's not these times that we'll yeah. all say, okay, there aren't, it's not about the parents who are go-getters at work versus the parents who don't care at all about their careers. We're all somewhere on the continuum. That's right. And I think, especially over the last couple of decades of parenting, and that includes you and I, Whitney, and how we parent our kids, there's been this pressure to perfectly parent, right? And so there's been this huge, strong push of like reading all the books and doing video lessons for your kids and early foreign language and early sports entry and tutors and advanced classes. And really what that's led to is really burnt out parents and super overscheduled kids. And so One thing that I'm encouraging parents to think about right now is think about where you're at and like maybe there hasn't been the lacrosse season or maybe you've done like online piano lessons and has that felt better for you, genuinely better for you as a family? When you go back to doing all the things or whenever, you know, we reestablish some sort of normal, if we ever get to go back to truly where we were before, do you really want to carry all of that with you? I think that's a really good question for families to be asking themselves right now. Mm, Yeah, I think that's really interesting and true. Actually, the families that I'm seeing come into clinic now for Mm -hmm. well visits during this time, especially the teenagers who have in the past been in families where you can tell there's just this extra pressure to do it all, be it all. And we, they're stressed out, they're anxious. And my advice in those moments has been sometimes like, I think you need to drop an activity. Yeah. I think you need to maybe not take an AP class next semester. Mm -hmm. And the response in the past has been, I can't, no. Right, no way, no way, we'll fall behind. 
Right. And I think this is a unique opportunity for people to be forced to kind of have to reevaluate what do they actually want when they get the chance to reset again once this is all done. Yeah. And really look at intentionally as a parent, you know, gosh, my son should have been playing lacrosse. I'm using myself as a humble example, which I always am happy to do, but my son isn't playing lacrosse. And what will that mean for him? And actuality, he hasn't picked up a lacrosse stick all spring. So maybe it's really not the sport he's the most passionate about. Maybe I was imposing that on him as a parent because I thought he should be busy. I thought he should be doing a sport. But in actuality, he's having a great time jumping on our trampoline and chasing our dogs around outside and, you know, roping various, you know, running objects around our farm. And so (laughs) I think that, you know, we just really need to pause and look back at that and go, what do we really want for our kids right now? Do we want to go back to that overwhelmed, overscheduled approach. Mm -hmm. Hi, Mama. Guess what? Our book, The New Baby Blueprint, is out in the world. We're so excited because we know it's going to help change the new motherhood experience. The bump said, they say motherhood doesn't come with a manual, but the new baby blueprint comes pretty close. You can find it wherever books are sold or check it out at modernmommydoc.com forward slash book. Can you talk about the good enough parenting when it comes to dealing with our kids' behaviors too? Because I'm, I think the activities are really cut and dry. Yeah. That's like, yeah. should I do piano? Should I do lacrosse? Should I do the AP class? For mm-hmm. the people that have younger kids, I feel like some of the pressure that they feel on being the perfect parent is, yes, giving them all these little educational opportunities throughout the day or feeding them perfectly throughout the day. Mm -hmm. But what are some other ways maybe they can dial it back or have a middle ground when it comes to behavior or to like their day-to-day activities with their kids? Yeah, super good question. I mean, I think part of that perfect parenting is this idea that our kids should always behave appropriately too and respond appropriately and be well-mannered and all those things. And so actually as a child also feels like he or she has to be perfect, their anxiety goes up and then mom's anxiety goes up. And what we really have is a kiddo who, you know, none of us learn well or think well or make good decisions when we're super anxious and stressed. And so part of it is just like, you don't have to lower your expectations for kids. You can still have expectations that kids behave appropriately, but also lower your thought process on how that's going to look and know that kids are going to make mistakes and they're going to mess up and that actually making mistakes and messing up and or having inappropriate behavior is a developmentally appropriate for kids to push back on boundaries and b it allows them to learn lessons in life and we can't go through a childhood where we haven't learned any lessons or got gotten you know what i call scuffed up a bit right like if we kind of mm-hmm. put this you know glass you know protectiveness around our kids all the time this glass bowl they really don't get to experience the world as it is and unfortunately we're not setting them up for, you know, quote unquote, the real world, so to speak, where people do make mistakes and and we do have to ask for forgiveness. And actually, it's the best way to learn how to problem solve. And so I think part of it is just encouraging parents with behavior to know that A, kids aren't meant to be perfect either. It puts a ton of pressure on them and really embracing the fact that we all mess up sometimes and that those what we call like ruptures and repairs, like making a mistake and then fixing it or problem solving or talking about feelings is actually a great way for kids to build resilience in life. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, this the phrase that I keep on repeating with my own children <laughs> and myself over and over and over during this pandemic is people and kids do the best they can when they can, right? Absolutely. Which is from that collaborative problem solving world of which you guys can look that up. We can talk about that on a different day, but that's just about kids in general are not going around trying to be bad Mm -hmm. or trying to Mm -hmm. do the wrong thing. And parents in general, unless they have some major issue that's undiagnosed are not going around trying to do the wrong thing for their kids. So when you mess up, it's more about recognizing it and then doing the repair work, like you're saying. And for our kids, it's more about recognizing it and then asking the why question of what is underneath this and saying things like, I wonder if you're frustrated and sad today. Yeah, well, and knowing that one interaction isn't setting a trajectory for your child's whole life. Like I was talking to a mom just the other day about that she and her husband had had a disagreement and it was in front of their toddler and she was worried that she had traumatized her child. And I said to her, you know, well, tell me what that disagreement looked like. Was there yelling and screaming and hitting and hurting? Was there, you know, loud voices? And she was like, no, we just disagreed about this topic and our voices raised, but I could tell my son looked kind of nervous. I said, and then what happened? And she said, well, you know, we reassured him that everything was okay. And you know, they did so many right things after that, like reassuring that they were okay and making repairs in their relationship. And for them, that happens maybe, you know, every few weeks or months where they're having that kind of rupture. And so she was worried that like this one incident was going to set a trajectory for her child for the rest of their life. But actually, our kids are going to have experiences that cause like a short term stressor that they can recover from really well. And, and that idea, like, like you were talking about the collaborative problem solving, kids do well when they can. And I also believe parents do as well as they can in the moment that they're in. And you know, we have to give ourselves as parents a little bit of grace, because if we're just so hard on ourselves all the time, we're not going to really enjoy the small moments either of parenting. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I think what you're speaking to about this idea of like, our kids have to learn some lessons over time is that really the less than perfect approach. I mean, that ends up in the end, that's better for parents. It's, it's better for kids, right? Absolutely. Tell me about like, What are the things long-term that the research shows about when we're less in a perfectionism mindset, what that does for our kids later on down the road? Yeah. So actually all of the research around, you know, mitigating adversity and building resilience in kids. And I know that in earlier sessions, you had Dr. Ginsburg on, who's amazing. And everybody Mm -hmm. should go back and listen to that episode. I listened to it and it was a, a great conversation to listen to if if people want that whole shebang on on resilience. But really what I'm talking about is that in order to raise resilient kids long-term, it doesn't mean perfect parenting and perfect families. In actuality, that does not help and shape kids for the long-term. What it means is that in a family where we have some ruptures, meaning like disagreements and bumps along the way, and I'm not talking about abusive things or highly neglectful things. I'm talking about, you know, parents get into disagreements and siblings fight and, you know, kids fail classes and don't make sports teams. And when we have those little scuffles along the way, those ruptures and repairs, when we pause and when we talk about feelings when we encourage our kids that it's actually okay to make mistakes, and when we talk to our kids about how those mistakes and challenges can be seen as a way to build strength, it actually creates this long-term grit for kids, this long-term feeling of resilience that helps them overcome adversity for their entire life trajectory. And what we know 
is that that actually doesn't just have an impact on their emotional well-being. That has an impact on their health, on their personal psychology, on their relationships, everything. And so letting kids learn and problem solve along the way throughout their entire life is one of the best things that we can do for them as parents, actually. Yeah. And we know that and the other direction, if we focus on perfection for our kids, mm-hmm. I mean, kids tend to go one of two ways after that, right? Or both sometimes some of the other, like either mm-hmm. they try to then be perfect and yeah. like overachieve forever and ever and ever into adulthood, right? or they give up and go, I'll never be perfect. <laughs> okay. Forget mm-hmm. it. Throw in the towel, right? Go yeah. the other way. Absolutely. Or, you know, so, or sometimes do one and sometimes do the other. So allowing our kids to see us as imperfect, you know, to say, I need a break right now. You Mm -hmm. guys, I'm so frustrated. I'm taking a break. I'll be back with you guys in a few minutes Yeah, Yeah. or allowing our kids to be in their emotion versus trying to fix it right at that moment. Right. That's a huge one. Yeah. Talk more about that for, talk more about that for families for a second. Let's dive into that. Cause I feel like that's like, I mean, this generation is finally getting a little bit like, I don't know, woke, I guess to that, (laughs) but this generation of parents, but I feel like that's a paradigm shift. Yeah. You know, this idea that our kids have a feeling, a strong feeling, whatever it is, sad, worried, confused, disappointed, angry, frustrated, right? Lonely. We feel like we have to swoop in and fix it, right? And there's actually, if, if anybody wants to take time, a beautiful book called The Blessing of a Skinned Knee. It's written by a Jewish rabbi, Wendy Mogul, and she really talks about the need to let kids get, you know, those little bumps and bruises along the way. But if we actually swoop in and we're like, no, it's okay, you're going to be fine, mommy will fix this. Instead of just letting our kids sit with a feeling, right, and validate the feeling, we're robbing them of an opportunity for self-growth. And we're also robbing them of an opportunity for just a connection and validation. And so I had a perfect example in my own, own home the other day. I'd been working and Zooming all day and seeing clients. And, and I walked in the front door and my 15-year-old was completely falling apart. She was sad. She was lonely. She was missing her friends. She's missing school. She's stressed. She doesn't get the e-learning right now. And I thought to myself, okay, and I believe me, I don't always have perfect parenting moments where I do this, the quote unquote, just the right way. I mess this up all the time, which is exactly my point. It's okay to mess up. In that Mm -hmm. moment, I had the wherewithal to think to myself, I don't have to do anything right now. I don't have to solve any problem. I just have to be. And so I looked at my daughter who had tears in her eyes and believe me, everything in me wanted me to rescue it and fix it and make it better and like email the teacher and make it better and call the friends and make, but that's not what my kid needs at that moment. So instead, what we did is first I just gave her a big hug and I said, wow, you seem really overwhelmed. And I just labeled the feeling for her. And she said, I am, I'm overwhelmed, I'm sad, I'm, I'm disappointed. And I said to her, tell me about it, right? Basically, just an open ended, curious question, like you were saying before. And I said, tell me all the things what's going on. And she just vented this litany of all these worries and concerns and fears and frustrations. And this could happen now in COVID, it could happen six months ago, right? But this This model of like just seeing where our child's at, validating their feeling, asking questions like, tell me more. And then I think the the next step after that isn't fixing it or stepping in, right? It's saying, how would you like help right now? Versus Mm -hmm. telling them how to solve a problem. You know, maybe they just wanted to vent and they'll move on. 
right? Mm -hmm. Maybe though they, they would like help how to advocate for themselves. Maybe they just need ideas about how to take care of those feelings like journaling or going for a walk or taking some deep breaths. You know, maybe they need like just some quiet space for a little bit that you can help protect. But if we don't give them the opportunity to first be heard, validate the feelings, label some of the feelings, and then offer how, how may I help you right now? then we don't give them the opportunity to think and problem solve and developing those internal coping skills themselves. So yeah, Mm -hmm. circling back to like that idea of, you know, letting our kids feel the feelings, I think is so critically important for kids to develop those social emotional skills. Yeah. And at the end, it sounds like also really not saying like not having to even have them ask for help in a specific way. What if they said like, I don't even know right now. Mm-hmm. I just need you to be here with me. Like that, that would be okay Yeah, too. Yeah. I think for so many of us that are like, fix it, do it, solve it, get on to the next thing. Right. Like mm-hmm. it, that is a, a practice right. of just sitting in the moment, sitting with the feeling, being okay with ourselves, being uncomfortable with the fact that our kid feels That's a little bit it. off. That's it, right? Like really our need or our push or our desire to fix it is about ourselves. It's really about our own anxiety. Mm -hmm. And if we can just Mm -hmm. know in that moment, sitting with that feeling and allowing your kid to sit with that feeling for the long term is actually going to be so much more beneficial for them than the short term fix that you can provide them that will make them and you feel better right now, but won't give them that lifelong skill that you want them to develop, which is figuring out how they want to cope with things. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So the blessing of a skin knee, I love that. Any other resources that you have either on your website or in general that are about resilience or about less than perfect parenting? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anybody who is listening can go to my website that I'm sure you'll you'll provide, you know, dramyllc.com. You can sign up for my newsletter. Every other week, I provide tons of information about ways parents and kids can be connected together. And really, that's what I want for kids and families to build resilience. That's the number one C of the seven C's is connection. And when you're, you know, for instance, letting your kids sit with that feeling, what you're really doing is sitting and connecting with them, just being there for them. So I put out a newsletter every other week, sometimes a little bit more frequently. Lately during COVID, I've put out more that parents Mm -hmm. can look at, they can download it, they can read it, they can break it down. They can join me on Facebook. I do a Facebook Live every Monday that talks about these skill sets. And then this fall, we'll be launching a webinar series about parenting in general and, and, and some of these other concepts about, you know, how to be a good enough parent. Awesome. And you guys can also find her on the gram mm-hmm. at Dr. Amy LLC. So Dr. Like D-O-C-T-O-R-A-M-Y-L-L-C. Make sure yeah. that you're checking out Dr. Amy. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks. Hey, hey, hey. If you loved this episode, make sure to subscribe to the Modern Mommy Doc podcast so you're automatically notified every time we have powerful information, inspiration, and amazing guests to share with you. We would also be so honored if you shared the Modern Mommy Doc podcast with your friends by snapping a screenshot of this episode and posting it with hashtag Modern Mommy Doc so we can spread the word and help more mamas win at parenting without losing themselves. Thanks for being part of our community.